afternoon comes from Hebrews. We'll read this in connection with what we confess in Lord's Day 26, where we look at the promises we have in baptism. Let's read Hebrews chapter 9, 11 to 14. Hebrews 9, starting at verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Let's then turn to chapter 10. We'll read uh, verses 19 to 25. Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's sing in response with a reading from hymn 42, 2 and 3. Let's then read together what we can confess in Lord's Day 26. That's on page 540. Lord, say 26. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, So certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul that is all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit? As surely as we are are washed with the water of baptism. In the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned. 
This promise is repeated where Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, washing away dirt is something that's basic to our lives. We do it so often we don't even really think about what we're doing anymore. And so we wash the dishes because we know if we don't, they're going to pile up and they're going to begin to smell and make our whole house smell. And we wash ourselves because we know that when there's, when there's dirt on us, it needs to be washed away or we're going to smell. And so we don't need to tell ourselves that dirt needs to be washed away. We know that this is true. There's dirt you need to get rid of it. But sometimes we can run the risk of forgetting that there was dirt in our life. And there is still dirt in our life that needs to be removed at so much more of a fundamental level. Because whether we like it or not, each of us sitting here, we were born ugly. We were born unclean. We were born dirty. We get an example of this in Ezekiel 16. And God, he tells us what we were in our fallen human nature. He says that we were not washed with water. He said our our cord was not cut. We were not wrapped in clothes. We We were lying there kicking about in our blood. This is a vivid, a startling image. It's an image of who we were by nature. In God's eyes, we were rebellious. We were enslaved to sin. We were ugly. We were unclean. We weren't some beautiful child. So we need washing. We can't do it on our own. If we tried to just wash ourselves based on our own resources, we would just move the dirt around and we wouldn't make it any better. We'd make it worse, if anything. And so we need someone from outside of us to come to us in grace, to wash us on the outside, to wash us on the inside, to wash us from all the guilt, from all our pollution. Thanks be to God that he did something about our sin, about our predicament. We read a little bit later in Ezekiel that he says, live to this child. And then he clothes this child with fine linen. He washes him with pure water. And he did this for us, his people, his child, ultimately by sending his son on the cross to die for us, to wash away all our sins by his blood. We might think to ourselves, okay, that's, that's fine and good. Jesus, he died on the cross some 2,000 years ago. But how can I really be sure that his blood poured out on the cross so many years ago? How can I be sure that that affects me personally? Well, brothers and sisters, that's the beauty of baptism. Most of us here, all of us here, we've been baptized. We had water sprinkled on us. And Christ himself, he addressed us personally by name, by our first name, by our middle name, by our last name. And he said, my child, I promise you that as surely as water washes away dirt. It's a fact. So surely 
Will my blood, my spirit, wash away the impurity of your soul? That brings us to our theme. Through baptism, Christ promises us the washing we desperately need. He washes us with his blood, and he washes us with his spirit. The Old Testament teaches us time and time again, and, and the New Testament, that we can only be forgiven. Our sins can only be washed away by the shedding of blood. As we read Hebrews 9, 22, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. This was portrayed so very vividly, so very clearly already in the Old Testament. If you read through a book like Leviticus, you'll find the word blood on pretty much every page and multiple times on some pages. God, he was teaching Israel, he was teaching his people that sin was so very serious. It offends him. It cuts him to the heart. It grieves him. Because sometimes we can think that, you know what, sin is just, oops, I I messed up again. But fundamentally, what sin is, is rebellion against God. And so he wanted to make it clear to his people in the Old Testament, and also to us, just how much sin offends him. And so, he says that humans need to bear the cost of grieving God. He says that we need to die a death of infinite proportions because we offended a God of infinite goodness, infinite grace, infinite righteousness, infinite holiness. But thanks be to God that already in the Old Testament he provides a way out. The people, they could offer sacrifices when they sinned. And they could see in a very graphic way how someone else or something else was paying for their sin. Because when they sinned, they would come into the temple precincts and they would come with a goat or a lamb or some other animal and they would put their hand on this animal. And so it would be so clear that this animal was dying in their place. It was its blood for theirs. And there were literally thousands and thousands of these sacrifices offered in a year. So much so that they actually had to carve these channels from the, from the altar of burnt offering into the river Kidron so that they could just take these gallons and gallons of blood away. And so imagine for a moment that you're an Israelite, that you're, you walk into these temple precincts. Imagine the sights and the smells and the sounds you would hear. You would see all these animals dying, shrieking as they give their last breath. It would have smelled blood so potently, it would have just been in the atmosphere. So very clear. And so if you were an Israelite coming in, you would have seen all this and you would have thought, wow, sin is so very serious. Look at what it costs. And yet, you could literally sacrifice every single animal in the world and not one sin would truly be paid for. 
Because God, he demanded that humans need to pay for sin because they are the ones that sinned. And so, we're stuck. Because you need a righteous human to pay for sin. And from the beginning of the world to the end, there's no righteous person. No person that can pay for others. And even if there was a righteous person, there's no one that could possibly bear the infinite wrath of God against sin. And so it would take nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ, the God-man, to wipe away all our sins. And thanks be to God that he came to earth and that he let his infinitely precious blood be shed for you. And for me. And throughout history, people have always appreciated those who, who give their life or give their blood for others. Think in a limited way of today of donating blood. I went on the, the website for the World Health Organization and they asked some questions in order for people to be incited and, and to be encouraged to give blood. One of the questions they asked is, why should I donate blood? And the answer is, because blood is the most precious gift anyone can give another. It's the gift of life. And so if we think that this is commendable, this is something we should encourage, how much more amazing is it when someone dies for someone else? Think of soldiers who, who die on behalf of their countrymen. We speak of them as, as paying the ultimate sacrifice. And if we read stories in the news about soldiers or someone else who, who dies for others, we're amazed. And so if this amazes us, how much more should it just amaze us, blow our minds that Christ came to earth? That the one who was God, a very God, the one who breathed out the galaxies, he comes to earth. He humbles himself and he lets his precious blood be shed at the hands of men whom he created. And he was perfectly innocent. He let himself be led like a lamb to the slaughter. He silently went the road intense sorrow, intense suffering, intense shame. Words cannot describe how much he went through. And yet he never, off, he never put up a fuss. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And so there he went to the cross. There our bleeding Savior hung on the cross. A crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hands and his feet, his back ripped apart by the lashings of the Romans. There he was on the cross, bleeding for you, for me. There he was at Golgotha, Rejected by heaven, rejected by earth, 
his closest friends, his disciples, they run away. His own dear father no longer turns his love towards his son, but just his anger. And so there our Savior hung, bearing hellish agony. Brothers and sisters, we should have been the ones there. But Christ was there for us. He was bearing a mountain of sin, your and my sin, on his shoulders. And brothers and sisters, we can be confident that his blood shed in 30 A.D. was for his people. It was for you and me today, too. Christ, when he, when he hung there on the cross, he wasn't just thinking about himself. He was thinking about his bride, his precious people. And so he had your names on his heart. He had your and my sin on his shoulders, even the ugliest, disgusting, the most grievous sin that we've ever committed. It was on his shoulders. And so we can know that as surely as dirt is washed away by water, as surely as when we, we go to the dishwasher and we take out clean dishes, as surely as when we go to the shower and we come out clean, just as surely as that, that dirt was washed away, so surely are sins washed away, even the dirtiest, the ugliest ones. And so what could we possibly desire more than the blood of our dear Savior? When we think of all the things of this world, things that we often pursue, things like money or, or reputation or, or vacations or, or whatever it may be, if we put all those things next to the blood of Christ, it's as if they become like nothing, like garbage. Paul says in Philippians, compared to Christ, everything else becomes boring. Everything else becomes like rubbish. The amazing thing is that we don't have to try and earn this gift of Christ's blood. In our baptism, Christ promises it to us. He says, hold out your hands, take my blood in faith, and it's yours. And yet, how many of us have really, truly grasped the significance of our baptism? How many children growing, grow up truly knowing what their baptism means and just how glorious and how amazing, how awesome those promises are? How have we come to terms with just how much we need the blood of Christ? Have we come to terms with our sin? Have we felt the joy of going to Christ in faith and knowing that when we go to him, when we pour out our hearts, then we can know that all our sins are gone. They were all on his shoulders. It doesn't matter how horrible those sins were. And so, brothers and sisters, I urge you to go to the one who called you by name in baptism. Run to the arms of your Savior. Run to his arms today. Run to his arms tomorrow. Run to his arms for the rest of your lives. 
And so let's all work with the promise of our baptism, with the promise of Christ's blood. Because this promise is ours our whole life long. It's always there for the taking. But if you go to Christ in faith, your sins are gone. And so when we feel dirty, when we feel ugly, when we fall into those sins that we were struggling against, whether it be lying, whether it be watching porn, whether it, whether it be gossiping, whether it be being proud or angry, you can go to Christ in faith. You can pour out your heart like David did in Psalm 51 and say, cleanse me, my Savior, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And know that Christ will hear you. He will hear you more certainly than you feel in your heart that you desire that he hears you. He'll say to you, my child, I have promised to wash away your sins and I do wash them away. No sin can stand up against the torrent of my blood. So brothers and sisters, we can have clear consciences before God. As we read in Hebrews 10, verse 22, we have our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So we need to tell ourselves this daily. We need to preach this to ourselves. This means we'll need to fight our, our natural, our legalistic way of thinking that we need to somehow earn God's favor by, by our church attendance, by our level of repentance, by, by our godly walk, by having all the right do- doctrine. Sometimes if we don't measure up, we start feeling guilty because we always feel like God just demands more. But know that God's love for you is so very strong. It's not as if when our faith life is weak that he only loves us a little bit and when our faith life is strong that he loves us a lot. But he always opens wide his arms to us. And why does he do this? He does this because of the blood of Christ that perfectly cleanses us. And so as we read in Titus, he says, I love you not because of righteous things you have done, but because of my mercy. So brothers and sisters, we can live lives motivated by grace, not motivated by guilt. We can live lives of thankfulness in God's service because we know that when we go to Christ, we're perfectly clean. We don't have to earn God's love, but we have it. And that's what motivates us to serve him. And so when you cling to Christ's blood, brothers and sisters, you can be 100% sure that you are saved His blood alone saves us. Not our repentance, not our doctrine, not even our baptism, but Christ's blood alone. And know that day in and day out, His blood is yours for the taking. This brings us to our second point. We're also washed with His Spirit. Because Christ, he not only promises to remove the guilt, to remove the debt, to wash us on the outside, but he also promises that he's going to wash us on the inside. 
It's not as if Christ just forgives our sins and then leaves us sitting in the pews as a bunch of stones who don't really care about anything. What Christ wants is our hearts. He wants us to be so knit to him, to be so united to him, to have a will, a mind, and a heart that that is so in tune with his heart, mind, and will. As you read Titus 2, verse 14, Christ gave himself for us to redeem us and to purify for himself a people who are his own, eager to do what is good. And so Christ, he sends his spirit into our hearts, a spirit who changes our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, a, a, the spirit who unites us to Christ so that we are bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh, so we can confess in Lord's Day, 30, Lord's Day 28. And so through baptism, Christ promises us that he's going to send his spirit into our hearts to unite us more and more to our Savior. The amazing thing is that when we are united to Christ, we become a new creation. As we read Romans 6, Paul argues that that Christ died, he rose. Those are historical facts that happened. And then he says when we are united to Christ in faith, we participate in that death and resurrection so that we too We become dead to sin. We become alive to righteousness. And so that's who we are now when we are united to Christ our Savior. We're no longer just a bunch of sinners. We're a new creation in Christ. That's who we are. So the Spirit, he promises to work in our hearts who we are so that we become what we are in Christ. And yet this process of cleansing doesn't happen instantaneously. It's not as if the Spirit just downloads our sanctification to us so that suddenly we're a bunch of perfect people. Rather, as the Catechism says, he does it, he washes us so that we are more and more dead to sin and that we lead a holy and blameless life. And so, brothers and sisters, we will be engaged in a bitter battle against sin. I'm sure many of us here are weary of the battle. There's times when we feel low. There's times when we feel like there's certain sins that are unconquerable. There's times where we feel like Satan is getting the upper hand and then we might as well just throw in the towel. There's comfort in our baptism because Christ promises us that his spirit will be with us our whole life long. So whenever we feel like giving up, we can cling to the promise. We can know that when we, when we pray for the Spirit ardently and fervently, He will come. He will, he will rekindle our zeal to fight against sin and to love God more and more. So I urge you all this afternoon to rely on the Spirit. Today is Pentecost. A day when the Spirit was poured out in full measure on the church. So we need to rely on the Spirit. Because on our own, if we, if we try to fight against sin, if we try to serve God, we're going to fail time and time again. We just won't be able to do it. We need to pray.
pray for the Spirit to change our hearts, to unite us more to Christ so that we love Him, so that we serve Him, not out of fear, but that we serve Him out of love, out of joy, out of zeal. So I urge you all to keep in step with the Spirit. Count yourselves dead to sin and alive to righteousness. Put aside the deeds of darkness and clothe yourselves with Christ. Fill your hearts with Him. Fill your hearts with Christ's love, with His joy, with His peace, with His patience, with His self-control. So there's less and less room in our hearts for sinful us. And when we fail, keep going back to the promise of your baptism. The Spirit will wash you on the inside. He will ensure the victory. So brothers and sisters, let's all work with our baptism. Let's not ignore it. Let's not ignore the cleansing that Christ promises us every single day. Good days and bad. And parents, this means we need to teach our children what their baptism means. We need to call them to faith in their Savior. We need to encourage them with their baptism and encourage them to pray for the Spirit so that He might open their hearts and so that He might make them zealous for God. And there's also a calling for all of us, that we share the joys of being baptized members of Christ's church, that we share these joys not just to those around us, but that we share these joys to our neighbors, to our friends, to our coworkers, to those whom God puts on our path. So tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your neighbors how much joy there is in being a baptized member of a family. Because in this world, there's so much brokenness. There's so many relationships that are torn apart. There's so many kids that are bouncing around from one house to another with no sense of security. So invite these hurting members to come to the family of God, a family where God the Father promises that he will never, ever, ever forsake his children, a family where the Son, where our brother promises that he will wash us with his blood. A family where the Spirit promises that He will unite us more and more to our dear Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.